state before the world's foundation, and mindful of his mercies great, he planned for my salvation. He turned to me a father's heart, he did not choose the easy part, but gave his dearest treasure. God said to his beloved son, it's time to have compassion, then go bright jewel of my crown, and bring to all salvation from sin and sorrow set them free slay bitter death for them that they may live with you forever O oh Lord open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise make haste O oh God to deliver me Make haste to help me, O God. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen. Alleluia. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, I have sinned against you through my own fault, in thought, word, and deed, for the sake of the suffering, death, and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on me, forgive me all my sin, and bring me to everlasting life. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord has granted us pardon and forgiveness of all our sins, grace for true repentance and amendment of life, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O come, let us worship the Lord. For he is our maker. We continue by responsively Reading Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. And have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you. And you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his. And give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Now in my prosperity I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by your favor you have made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was troubled. I cried out to you, O Lord. And to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood? When I go down to the pit. Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothe me with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. 
O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen. The epistle lesson is recorded in the first chapter of James, beginning at verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Here ends the epistle lesson. The canticle is the song of Isaiah recorded in the 12th chapter of the prophet Isaiah, beginning at verse 1, and will be read responsibly. And in that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you, though you were angry with me. Your anger is turned away, and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day, you will say, Praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his deeds among the peoples. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitants of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. Here ends the canticle. The gospel lesson is recorded in the gospel according to St. John, the 16th chapter, beginning at the 5th verse. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father ha has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine 
and declare it to you. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Son obeyed his Father's will, was born a virgin mother, and God's good pleasure to fulfill, he came to be my brother. His royal part disguised he bore, a servant's form like mine he wore, to lead the devil captive. To me he said, stay close to me, I am your rock and castle, your ransom I myself will be, for you I strive and Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. For all the baptized, that they would make a joyful noise to the Lord for the salvation they have in Jesus Christ, in whose righteousness they are clothed. Let us pray to the Lord. 
Lord, have mercy. For all pastors in Christ, that they would be diligent in their studies, faithful in their prayers, steadfast in their faith, and compassionate toward the children of God they serve. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our children and young people, that they would be brought up by faithful parents, receive a good education, and grow into fruitful maturity for service to home, church, and world. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the vocation of motherhood, that mothers would love and care for their children, and that children would cherish and honor their mothers, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those who have been entrusted with earthly authority, that they would be given the wisdom to rule according to your will, to work for the well-being of the nation, especially during this present pandemic, and to enable justice and peace to flourish throughout the world, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who suffer in this veil of tears, and for all who have requested our prayers, that they would be comforted with the sure and certain hope of life eternal through Christ their Lord, knowing that a day is coming when no one will be able to take their joy from them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who are unable to gather together due to the pandemic, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who have gone before us with the sign of faith and now rest in Jesus, let us give thanks to the Lord that we would be enlivened by the gospel and sustained in the one true faith until our last hour comes. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And in our Savior's name we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Let us pray. Send, we beseech you, Almighty God, your Holy Spirit, into our hearts, that he may rule and direct us according to your will, comfort us in all our temptations and afflictions, defend us from all error, and lead us into all truth, that we, steadfast in the faith, may increase in love and in all good works, and in the end obtain everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Our sermon text is recorded in the second chapter of the letter of James, beginning at verse 1. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. 
For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, You sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, You stand there, or sit here at my footstool, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and became, become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you were, are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself if it does not have works, is debt. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Dear fellow redeemed, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. With these words, we are thrown this morning into an age-old debate. It is a debate that is more often sparked by words that follow. Faith apart from works is dead. James is a book that is often misunderstood and even maligned. The problem we have is making such Words from James jive with others of Scripture, like Paul's words in Romans 1. The righteous shall live by faith. Ours is a tradition based on faith alone, grace alone, and word alone. As our epistle lesson, also from James, says, it is the implanted word that is able to save your souls. So we've got this, right? It's all about order. Words do not, works do not count for our salvation. We are saved only through the righteousness of Christ, a righteousness carried out in his suffering, death, and resurrection given to us by the grace of God in our baptisms. Both our faith and the works that proceed from it are from God's almighty and gracious hand. He gives us faith 
and moves us to do works of mercy we could never do on our own. We know the words, but then it's the actions that follow that seem so inconsistent. There are two sinful outcomes of a Christian's life when he or she dismisses works because they can't save us. We either then do whatever we want because God's grace is there to pick us up, which is exactly the problem Paul had to warn the Romans against. Alternatively, we do nothing because it counts for nothing. Instead, it's important for us to understand that what we do or don't do does matter. Moreover, those actions are connected to our faith, not in order to be saved, but because we are saved. James was dealing with the same issue as he wrote his letter. My brothers, James begins. James is not writing to those who are outside the faith. He's writing to those of the faith. Brothers, fellow children of God, made so by God's grace through the gift of faith. And so James is writing also to us. He is writing to confront a problem in the church of his day that is all too familiar to us today. There was a disconnect between the faith they professed and how they lived out their faith in relation to one another. The same caution is extended to us in our day, especially as we hear the example of this disconnect that James gives. Two men entered the assembly, the gathering of believers in the presence of God. One is dressed well, the other is not. The one is, who is dressed well is distinguished among the brothers. The other is given a lower place because he doesn't measure up. James then pointedly asked, Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. What is the point of this example? If you really fulfilled the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and convicted are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. So what we do really does matter. But what do we do now? It can seem as though all of James' words, including those about faith being dead without works, all add up to this. Do better. Is that it? Do better? Do better so people can see you're a Christian? Do better so God knows you're serious about him? If that's all James is saying, then why don't we simply do better? Why don't we just do everything God says. After all, God said to do it, just do it. But we don't. In fact, we can't. If James is saying nothing more than do better, he would be doing exactly what he condemns when he says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, 
Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? On our own, we can't do better just because James says so any more than the poor or impoverished person can be warmed and filled by our words alone. That's because our sinful nature always has its own selfish agenda. Our sinful nature always looks out for itself, not for our neighbor in need. That's just what the sinful nature is, all out for itself. So the age-old debate is set before us. Either James' words are empty encouragement for us as we live our lives in perpetual disappointment to God, or there's more. Indeed, there is more. We don't have to look far for a hint at where to turn in our confusion. James makes what seems to be just a passing comment in the middle of his encouragement to do good. He refers to the name by which you were called. However, it's not just a passing comment. This is where we find the answer to the problem. He tells us there was action prior to ours. That action is the action is of the one who called us, for we can't call ourselves. It's God, of course, who's called us. He has called us by the gospel, bringing us to faith by the Holy Spirit. He's called us into a relationship with him that's lived out in relationship to one another. It really is all about order. It all begins with God's action toward us and continues as we live out his action toward us in our actions toward others. Both faith and works come from God. To understand, let's put the shoe on the other foot. What if God made distinctions? What if God analyzed our worthiness and acted accordingly? What if God analyzed our works and dealt with us according to what he saw? What if God kept a scorecard and awarded our place before him based on that scorecard? Here's the content of our faith. God does not. If God did make such distinctions, we would be left to work out our own salvation. And as hard as we might work, we would never know if we had done enough. Indeed, he has worked out our salvation for us. The content of our faith is Jesus Christ and his work of salvation on our behalf. He lived the perfect life we cannot live. He died to pay the price we cannot pay. He rose to defeat death and make it possible for his righteousness to become ours. Our faith is in a work, but not our own. Our faith is in a work accomplished on a cross and emanating from an empty tomb. Our faith without Christ is dead. As James wrote in chapter 1, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Our life begins, continues, 
and ends with him and in him. And that is why what we do and what we don't do really matters. The life we live is the life that God has worked for us in Christ. His life, what he has done for us and what he has given to us animates and motivates our lives. He is the content of our faith and the content of our living. Therefore, he is the content of our works. Any other understanding of the relationship between faith and works creates an either-or proposition, either faith or works. Rather, Christ in us and Christ through us creates a both-and proposition, both faith and works. First faith, then works, and never one without the other. Now, what about when I fail? In the either-or proposition, our failure means one of two things. Our failure means either we have no faith or our failure doesn't matter. We know our failures can't simply be overlooked. So in the either-or proposition, we're sent back within ourselves to do better. We're left to find our own inner strength. Our faith, though, isn't in ourselves. It's in Christ and in his work. This is where the both-and proposition of both faith and works finds a firm hold on our lives as God's children. Because if everything begins with Christ, then he is where we go when we fail. When we fail to live as we should, we're sent back to Christ. We're sent back to his word and the reassurance of God's grace given in baptism as we hear his word of forgiveness. We receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. We're sent back to feed on him in his supper and to receive from him the strengthening of our faith and the strengthening of our lives lived in that faith. We are sent back to the one true God who holds no distinctions but died for all. That is, he loves us whom he has graciously called and to whom he has given his name. His grace is our salvation and his grace is our strength to live, to live lives that look like what they are, Christ in us and Christ through us. So also, faith by itself is dead. If it does not have works, is dead. However, we are not dead. We are alive in Christ, and so we live and work in Christ. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
mansion in the world of sound as worship moved us to a more profound most evil strong. 